Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non colonial anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and this is my cast. My name is C. I use they them pronouns and I play Okahaye, an Asamar blood hunter slash monster hunting expert. I'm Erica and I play V Nocturzo, your lovable elf sorcerer slash charlatan with draconic ancestry. My name is Lyra and I use they she pronouns. I play Manaya Wairua, a half orc fighter with a sailing background. I'm Max, my pronouns are they them, and I play Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra artificer and researcher on the run from his former employers at the Ohanahi Research Laboratory. You can support Transplaner RPG by pledging to our Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res assets, and much, much more. You can also support us by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps immensely with getting new listeners to find us. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include alcohol, blood, bones, hallucinations, possession, and body horror. Arc 3, Episode 8. Failure fragrant as magic from Corpse Flower by Vanessa Angelica Villarreal. On the edge of the Euclid chasm, wrapped in the darkness of the starless sky, Dr. Hitsagaten Aluso stands outside their humble cottage and waits. Her chickens and ducks cluck in their pen, pecking at scattered scraps of food in the dirt. Under the shelter of a makeshift pavilion, a herd of kwe shudders in the darkness, grouped together like a flock of turquoise sheep. The kwe, who resemble single-legged, blue-scaled, hornless oxen, murmur nervously amongst themselves. Some of them jump nervously, on their one hoofed leg. Others rub their smooth skulls against each other in comfort. And pacing along the perimeter of this pavilion are Kahealani and Napua. Both of them are busy passing out rations to the Kwe, handfuls of rocks, gems, and pebbles that the oxen-like creatures gobble up gratefully. Squeak, the grung merchant who is as wide as she is tall, waddles up to Dr. Aluso. Her large, bulbous eyes are fixed anxiously on the good doctor standing at the edge of this chasm. Are you sure it's going to happen? 
some of the queen are complaining. They want to go back to their cavern. They want to go to sleep. They want to go home. Yes, I'm sure. I don't want the queen to get trapped down there by what's coming. And I'm worried. The others haven't checked in for over a week. Wait. Squeak. I feel something. Get behind me. Squeak obeys and hobbles behind Dr. Eluso. There is a stretch of silence. And then, boom. The ground shakes. The poles holding up the pavilion tremble. And nervous braying erupts from the quay. Boom. The ground shakes again, this time more violently. Dr. Eluso quickly retreats as the precipice they were standing on splinters and then crumbles into the hungry darkness of the Euclid chasm gaping below. Boom. 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 Dr. Eluso swipes their arm in front of their body in a wide arc, creating a massive wall of light. They act not a moment too late as they shield themselves, Squeak, the Kwe, Kahelani, Napua, and the chickens from a tremendous sonic boom that erupts somewhere from the depths of the chasm. This sonic boom smashes against Dr. Eluso's home, peeling off the roof and crumbling its walls of stone. And we follow this boom now uh, as it streaks through the badlands like a terrible hurricane, kicking up plumes of red dust, tearing branches off baobab trees, smashing the side of the Godspine mountain range itself. This boom pummels Fireroot Farm, uprooting rows and rows of beautifully manicured turnips, shredding the roof off a handsome farmhouse, and sending a pink-skinned tiefling farmer flying through the air who's gripping a pitchfork and screaming for his husband. This boom sweeps past the forested boundary that separates Talmud from the Court of Ravens and pummels the darkened waters of the Black Tongue, causing turbulent waves to rock through the swamp, breaking and splintering trees in its wake, making birds take flight from their roosts. And finally, this sonic boom hits the frigid Sigirni Sea where it causes a tsunami to sweep across the landless waters and various islands in the northern ocean of Endake. And now, we cut back to Dr. Eluso, who lowers their arms. This glowing wall of force shatters into nothingness. Kaheolani, Napua, and Squeak immediately rush toward the terrified Kui, reassuring them, tending to their frayed nerves, but Dr. Eluso does something else. They approach the crumbled edge of this chasm, ignoring the decimated ruins of their home. She reaches into her pocket, pulls out a pair of binoculars, and raises them to her eyes. And she looks out across the chasm toward the sweeping plains of the Ogumor River Valley beyond. And then Dr. Eluso gasps. And on that gasp, we cut to the carnival. Oka, what have you been up to? Is it time for my monologue? It's time for your monologue. Go for it. Slay the wicked and give evil no quarter. Venerate the gods and protect their holy sites. Behave 
mindfully and act with temperance. I have a few other ideas now. Slay whoever the fuck gets in your way. Give bullshit no quarter. Venerate pleasure and protect that which helps you forget. Behave in whatever way you want because nothing matters in here. It's all good. And I am evil. And it's all good. It's good because now I can't even remember what I was so upset about earlier. Whenever it was, feels like a lifetime ago. Like it happened to someone else entirely. I'm just here having fun. And there's nobody around to tell me that no matter how hard I try, I'll always succumb to that base instinct, that base evil. Because when a holy protector of life and glory kills you, it sends a message. But I lived, bitch. I lived. And now it's time for me to have fun, to take a load off and stop worrying. The gods, the gods will sort themselves out. Cain is a good distraction. So much so that I don't even remember what I needed distracting from. We're distracting each other, I think. I can sometimes see them looking off into the mess of pinstriped tents and for a moment there's pain behind those pretty silver eyes. And they're so beautiful. I kiss it away. We go to different tents, playing games, stealing prizes. I get entered into a boxing tournament. And whenever my opponents bear down on me, I don't even feel it. The punches glance off my face, my arms, and I smile through the haze of sweat and blood. It feels so good to vent, to punch someone so hard you watch the light in their eyes flicker. Red lightning rolls off my skin and I don't care why or how. And from the sidelines, Kane trips a few of them up for me, pulling the threads of the weave like they would play a harp, delicate, vicious. My opponents fall like the towers of Rosso, all eight until I am crowned victorious. I kiss the whiskey off of Kane's mouth, my own victory. It's all good. And I am evil, and it's all good. Oka, I think we find you stumbling out of a fighting ring. What's the expression you're wearing on your face as Kane, this midnight skin tiefling, has an arm slung around your shoulder? Oka is like giggling with laughter. They're just like <laughs> so. <laughs> that was good. That was that was fun. <laughs> Can we go again? Did you see the look on that guy's face, darling? <laughs> when he punched him on the side of his cheek and he spat out teeth. 
<laughs> I didn't even know someone could have that many teeth in their mouth. Uh, and they kind of like shake their knuckle uh, and grab for the bottle of whiskey that the two of them have been passing between each other. And they take it like they throw their head back and take a long swig and kind of stumble. <laughs> do you do you want to ride the Ferris wheel? Yes. Yes, I do want to ride the Ferris wheel. Or we could climb it. We, we could just get to the top, right? Okay, you know how to play me like a fiddle. To the top! Uh, and Kane like grabs your wrist and pulls you toward this massive Ferris wheel, right? Uh, that dominates, that looks over the entire carnival. And at its base is that pinstriped big top where you can hear sounds, noises, smells are coming from it, but all of it is muffled. And the two of you run through this cobbled midway uh, toward the glittering lights that strut their way across the various spokes of this Ferris wheel. And maybe on the two of you running, you pass... Dewey, Dewey, what have you been up to in the carnival? We see a child with wide-eyed innocence and fascination. She wears a pair of overall shorts, ice cream stains already on the front, and her hair is kept in two braids to avoid the same theme. She holds a baseball the size of her head and eyes down a stack of metal milk bottles set up within a booth. A taller, slightly older figure stands next to her, their hands planted on the counter in front of them, leaning in and yelling encouragement to the girl as the game operator protests and tries unsuccessfully to get them to back up. A pigeon aracocra is uh, perched on a bench halfway across the midway, next to another figure chattering and making grand gestures, watching the two float from booth to booth. He holds an oversized stuffed hippo, the result of a lucky pick from the duck pond. An inflatable hammer won at the strength contest leans against the bench. The figure next to him's mouth is moving imperceptibly, perhaps recounting a story about something that happened to her last week, uh, stopping only to accept pieces of funnel cake her partner feeds her. Neither is facing the other, but they don't need to look at their partner's face to know they'll laugh at the funny parts and wrap a wing around them at the difficult ones. The breaks in conversation are comfortable. It's not that they know how to exist around each other, but it simply feels like they don't need to work for it. The child takes off towards the Ferris wheel, it's not a kitty ride, she insists. Uh, a new stuffed toy under her arm. Her companion slash chaperone takes off after her and catches up easily, scooping her up in their arms and flying her like an airship into the waiting seat of the gondola. They watch her fasten her seatbelt and then slide in next to her and pull the door closed. The ride, worst to life, no operative needed. I really like that. Dewey... You buckle Hana into the gondola, right? And you, you pull it close. And the Ferris wheel cranks to life. I think just as Oka and Kane get to its base, right? Kane goes, oh, no, dang it. We missed when we're supposed to get on, but that's okay, darling. Look, there's a ladder. No ladder needed. Uh, and two huge wings sprout out of Oka's back. Uh, and they just, uh, they look... <laughs> race you to the top and they just beat off the ground in one huge motion uh, little bits of dust uh, skirting out from where they take off from the ground and I think as Oka takes off right and like the uh, the Ferris wheel starts cranking to life with Dewey and Hana inside looking out over the glittering lights of the midway at uh, the fire breathers and jugglers throwing knives and batons we pan through the crowd and we find a young face Manaya, what have you been up to in the carnival? My name is Manaya Wairua. 
I am the only child of Kahealani, Nali, and Napuawairua, an inheritor of Kahealani's axe which remains nameless. I am the latest in a long line of Wairuas. We braid our children's hair in the unique Wairua way. I was gifted by my grandmother these magical golden rings that keep my hair together before I was even born. My parents loved me very much and raised me to be the best person I could possibly be and I owe them the world for doing so. I have lived 18 long years and it is no coincidence that just after my 18th birthday, I would have to speak this out. My birthday was spent, rather topically, convincing yet another group of people to try not to die because we aren't going to the after anymore. It was a rough birthday, but none compared to the first birthday I had without my parents. But I'm reaching the midpoint of my life in a few years, and there are a few better ways, a few better times for me to get this out. I've persevered for so, so long. And I've buried so many emotions, and the consequences of my actions have finally come around to take me, and I offer no resistance. For as long as I can remember, I've been the strong one, the pure one, the protector. Regardless of how much pain it caused me, I endured hardships that would kill a less motivated individual, and I thank the eight for that, that I was strong enough to push through them. I've held together snapped shrouds in the most powerful storms. I've thrown cannonballs hard enough to sink a galleon. I've tacked a ship eight times by pulling the sides of the ship myself. I've shielded children from acid-spewing monsters, thrown giant shadow worms across arenas, smashed a giant turtle head, and redirected a ship out of the most infamous whirlpool on Andake. I've done these with little to no repercussions, and I thank the eight for that, but it's nigh time I get what's coming to me, and that is why I speak this into the world. I'm tired. So unbearably, dreadfully, excruciatingly tired. I'm overdue for some sleep. I haven't slept well since the vanishing, and I've woken more and more tired ever since then. It's like the sleep isn't doing anything to keep me rested or regain my energy. These dreams have racked my body and soul for months, and I'm ready for it to just stop. Just make it stop. Just stop. I'm not Manaya, why do a paragon of Mahu, patron of the Princess of Leaves? I don't deserve to be. I'm not pure, I'm not a protector, I'm not strong. And it was a mistake for anyone, especially me, to think so. I never wanted this fate. And I never deserved it. And I can't live up to what the world needs, what my friends need, and what I need for myself. I don't know why I was chosen, and if I continue down this road, it's only a matter of time before I inevitably fail, before I fall, before everyone looks at me and pity, disgust, and disappointment as I simply cannot do what I need to do. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm not who you're looking for, and I'll never be. I just want to shrink away from everything. I want to be small, small, smaller, until I'm innocent again. Innocent and without responsibility. So, 
I draw my soul out of my body and stand, grasping at the three pairs of large, calloused hands that reach out to me. These hands that have supported me, that promise never to leave me again, and that will love me unconditionally. Hi there. I'm Manaya. No. I'm five years old, and my parents are taking me to the carnival today. I'm so excited. Manaya, you swing between your parents' three hands. Kahelani holding your left hand, Napua holding your right. And Nali, when you swing in the air, pushing you from behind. Uh, like, you're literally like a, a, a kid swing. Uh, and as you're like, woo! like going over these cobblestones like hopping over like uh, uh, ice cream puddles of ice cream and banana peels right and like sticks of broken sticks of candied apples on the ground Napua leans in gives you a wink your father and says alright Manaya, we've been on a roller coaster we've tested your strength at the hammer we've gone on the teacup ride what do you say to the ferris wheel oh father that sounds so fun but can you come with I'm a, I'm a little scared of heights. Of course, darling. Kahelani and Nali and myself will help you on the gondola. How about that? And the last person in line is just getting on over just in time. That's right. Just in time. Get on Mama's back now. And Kahelani crouches down and offers her broad, strong shoulders to you. With her hands on the ground, I take a step on her hands and I imagine she effortlessly lifts me into the air. Yes, she does. Uh, she lifts you into the air and plops you down on her shoulders. Uh, and your mother, this former pirate captain, right, with all the authority of a sailor shouting orders over a uh, turbulent ocean, says, Do the Ferris wheel! And, like, lets out, like, pew, pew, like, noises as she, like, guides you through the crowd and to the base of this Ferris wheel. I think where there's, like, a pause at the end, as like a family leaves the gondola and now you pile in, you go up the stairs, you look up, wow, this Ferris wheel, now that you're at the base is so huge, it blots out the entirety of the starless night sky. It's just the Ferris wheel. You get into the gondola and Nali closes the door with a whiff of magic. It shuts behind you and you sit down on one side of the gondola, your parents sit down on the other and the gondola begins to rise. On this gondola rising, I think you see a winged figure darting through the air. As Oka, you streak toward the top of the Ferris wheel. Hot on your heels is Kane, who instead of flying is leaping from spoke to spoke, right? Every time they leap, there's like a little sparkle of like dust or like fey magic that leaps up to help them like get like a longer stride and a bigger bound. Oka, you hear Kane go, I'm going to catch up to you. What, and you call yourself, what, someone with wings? How embarrassing it'll be for you for me to beat you, and I'm not even flying. I'm just going to be a little bit uh, fast and loose with their uh, blood, blood abilities here because things are weird. Uh, they kind of just, like, uh, track, like, this uh, body connection between them and Kane, and they look, as soon as they put their foot down, uh, Oka is just like rooting it there, like tendrils of like uh, like this rope of blood just come like qu and coil around their uh, their leg. As Oka like Oka still flying grabs onto one of the spokes and does like this like like t like wheels in the air lands on top of it uh, and then beats their wings up again uh, and just kind of like sticks out their tongue like. Nah.
Kane is rooted to one of the spokes. They go, hey, hey, that's cheating. You're a big old cheater. It's not. Why would it be cheating? I'm just winning. Why you? Uh, and Kane like pulls at their leg as like we cut to one of the other like, I, I think you're both on the spokes and you're like moving through the air, right? Because you're on the spokes. Dewey in the other gondola with Hannah, your daughter's face. She's like pressed it, you know, like her like cheeks are like flat against like the glasses. She's like looking down. She's like smearing like her face against the glass. Wow. We're so high up, dad. Are we going to fall? Of course not. Wouldn't let that happen. You'd catch me, right? You'd catch me if we fell? Yeah, what are these wings for? <laughs> You're right. You'll always be there for me, Dad, no matter what. Catch me when I fall. But not right now. <laughs> if you manage to find a way out of this gondola when we're up this high, I'll catch you, but you know I'm not the strongest. That's true. M Mom says it's because you've got hollow bones. Yeah, well, she says a lot of things about me, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, and I really liked meeting Rose back at the Midway. She's so cool. She's like my older sister. Can you adopt her, Dad? Can you adopt her? Can I have an older sister, please, please, please? Sure. Anything for you. Yay! I would hate for you to be lonely. Okay. I'd really like that. Oh, she always looks so sad, though, but I know that if she becomes my older sister, we're just going to be one big happy family. You, me, Mom, and Rose. You, me, Mom, Rose. On that, I think we, like, pull away from, like, the glass where Helen is, like, smearing her face. We pull away from, like, another gondola where we see uh, young Manaya laughing as, like, Nali plays tricks, like, like passing a coin between her fingers to entertain you. We move past uh, Oka standing and laughing on top of one of the spokes outside while Kane tries to move their leg from the magic he's, like, uh, tethered them to the pole with. Over the tops, right, of these striped tents. And now, moving into the woods of Clothal jungle, past the various branches, the thorny bushes, the vines, the mud piles, the streams that run muddy uh, with, with dirty water and blood, the various scraps of uh, weapons, shattered shields, and steeds left abandoned as their riders heed the call of the siren song of the carnival. We move past all of these vestiges of the championship, and we land. On a broken, a battered, a dirty and singed elf. V, tell us what you look like as you stagger through the woods. I think, actually, V wakes up on the floor of the woods. When she was transported to this moment, she fell into a pile of, of crying and passed out for a little bit. She wakes up and... She sees it's still sunlight, so she assumes she hasn't been out that long. She rolls over onto her stomach and her hands and slowly gets onto her hands and knees. And she tries to stand up, but her legs have very little strength. She starts stumbling over and has to use a tree to catch herself. She's covered in bruises. It hurts to breathe. She feels her rib cage and like kind of like presses into it and it hurts a lot, but it doesn't feel like it's broken, just bruised but it does cause some pain to, to breathe. She looks down for a larger rock and she 
holds her hand out to cast freezing rays on it. And at first, nothing comes out. And she's scared for a moment that she's run out of magic completely. But she realizes, actually, that it's not that the weave has left her. It's She's just so exhausted that even a simple cantrip is difficult for her to pull off. So she manages to just, like, squeeze deep down hard and finally a frozen beam of magic trickles out of her out of her diamond and onto this rock freezing it over and she picks it up and rests it over her clothes on her rib cage the cool cold ice on the rock now uh, helping to soothe the bruising on her ribs she listens for the carnival and she can hear it and she listens enough to kind of triangulate in her mind where she thinks the carnival is she thinks for a moment and speaks out loud what am i doing i almost got myself killed just now and she turns and she got begins to walk in the opposite direction that she can hear the music coming from and she's just like what what has come over to me these last few months i i've become so attached to these people and what they're trying to do that I lost sight of the number one rule of my life to always take care of V. These people and she's continuing to walk through the forest. Uh, these people what what do I owe them? I've I came here simply trying to understand what was happening in Andake so that I might be able to get ahead of everyone else and now I'm risking my life for these people and for the citizens of Andake that I, I don't even know and she's walking and finally she stops and she remembers things about these three individuals she's spent the last few months with she remembers the way Manaya followed her into Sievert's office the first time she faced Sievert she remembers the time she accidentally slugged Dewey in the caves when the anger had possessed her and how badly she felt afterwards. And she thinks of Oka, who asked her how to lie so many months ago and wanted practice on how to lie. And a little smile breaks over V's face a little bit. And then she thinks about that encounter she had with her father where she sees her name in glowing lights, Vasanti, and the way her father knocked away all the letters, leaving just the V. And she realizes V would absolutely walk away from this right now. But Vasante, on the other hand, Vasante is going to do the right thing. V quickly scrambles into her her pack and she has those research papers. Those research papers from, you know, long ago that she stole from the office and she grabs the back of one and she finds like a nub of a writing utensil and she write, writes out this letter and she's writing about her life and everything and her situation right now and, and she closes it. So if you're reading this letter, I may be dead. And she pulls out from her thief tools, uh, like a, the little pick, and she manages to stab it into the bark of a tree. 
and she turns back towards the carnival music and begins walking in that direction. Wow. That's what we call growth, babes. That's what we call growth. I'm going to need all of you to take a point of inspiration for all of your incredible performances. Because, wow. V, you stab this note into the trunk of the tree and you walk. You walk back into the belly of the beast. You walk toward hell. Right? Because a part of you knows that the people who you call your friends, the only people you've met in a really, really long time, perhaps ever, who accept you as who you are, who support you, who maybe even love you in a way that matters to you more than perhaps how Sievert claimed to love you, how even your mother claimed to love you. And as you stalk through these woods with a powerful stride, purpose igniting every step, make an arcana check. 14? Okay, a 14. You approach where you hear music playing in the distance. You can hear uh, giggling, echoing laughter that seems to come from everywhere and nowhere at once, but you just left the carnival so you know where to go. As you continue proceeding deeper into Clothal jungle, sort of like the tangled edges of the weave start pulling at you, right? And you start feeling this pressure. It's familiar, but also unfamiliar. And with your 14, I'll let you ask one question about what's going on, and I'll have to answer it honestly. Where will one find the source of all of this? Uh, I think you'll be able to just find it if you follow your heart, right? If you follow the threads of the weave toward where the pressure is unraveling. And uh, the heart of all of this, you it resonates with you. You know kind of intimately this is Skad and Nectus. You can feel their presences now, like like dovetailing together. And it's sort of like emanating like you're on the, you're on the edge of like a sun, right? Uh, but the source of the heat somewhere deeper within this jungle. You just have to keep walking forward. What do you do, V? V lets out a deep breath and she actually takes off the rock out of her ribs. She's feeling better now and she drops to the side and she sort of cracks her neck a little bit and is like, it's showtime, and she heads into the, into the fray. V, you head into the fray and soon enough, you find under the darkened sky, the carnival, the true carnival. You see trees that have been twisted, the life and magic sucked out of their trunks and their bark and their soil and their roots to form these sort of like hobbled, intertwined versions of tents, right? Uh, where Oka, Manaya, and Dewey see bright pinstripe tents, right? You see them for what they really are, gnarled trees knotted together, twisted, forced, right? Um, to basically lean on each other to form these tents, right? Almost in like a, a, a twisted mirror of codependence as you see like branches like being s splintered and sutured against each other to form 
uh, overhangs, almost reminding you of the course a little bit. Uh, twisted nature, right? Um, but instead of living in like a symbiotic relationship with the natural world, this is definitely some sort of magic or, or corruptive presence has forcibly twisted the world around it to bend to its will. Uh, you see people stumbling around dressed in rags, right? Some people are missing arms. You know, they're like heavily wounded, but they're still walking. Some sort of magic, right, is allowing them to continue to hobble around even though their physical limits have been reached and surpassed, right? Sort of like moving around, twitching, laughing, their eyes glazed over, uh, dancing with each other. Uh, oddly enough, you see a ring of people um, standing around like these twisted bows that form like a circle, like punching each other in the face as other people watch and they like laugh and they seem to be miming throwing coins, right? And like, like money at them, but there's nothing actually coming out of their hands. You hear this gurgling in the distance and you see like a blood red river uh, cutting through this entire like forest scene uh, that some people uh, are leaning up against and they seem to be just miming, like talking at the river. And you realize what it is. This river is actually the midway, right? And the games they're playing, they're just sort of staring at the river and throwing uh, invisible balls, right? At invisible like coconut shells, trying to knock them down for invisible prizes, right? Turning to each other, laughing. Some of them drop to their knees and splash this blood red water on themselves, uh, drenched now in this crimson liquid, laughing and laughing, right? All around you, you just see people stumbling, staggering, laughing, kissing each other, dancing, fighting each other, right? And there's one, two particular structures, actually, that do, I think, take your breath away a little. One of them is a Ferris wheel, an actual Ferris wheel, except the spokes are made of bone and the gondolas, right? It's just knotted branches and marrow stitched together and people are just sitting on them, kicking their legs, laughing at any moment might fall off, right, of each quote unquote gondola. There's nothing there to keep them to keep them safe. You see various people just in this Ferris wheel. And another thing you see is a tent, the big top. And this is perhaps the truest form of the carnival, both illusory and real. You see a massive big top with these multicolored rainbow stripes coming down from it. And it seems to be glowing with this like weird, almost like fae or eldritch magic, right? And all of the sounds, all of the smells, right? Uh, all of the, um, the little hooks and lures that draw people into the carnival, you know intimately emanates from this big top. That is the heart of this carnival. But then your eyes glide back to this bone wheel and you see Oka grabbing onto a femur right leaning against it swaying from it right uh, their their wings shot out of their back but like dripping with blood and a little broken similar to how you saw their wings look in the Ujval mines you see Cain hanging from another piece of marrow you see Manaya by herself sitting in like a swing and just sort of laughing and giggling, right? We also see Dewey by himself sitting in another quote-unquote gondola swing. Beak moving seems to be talking with someone, but you don't see anyone next to him. V, this is the scene. People are bumbling and moving and staggering all around you. What do you do? As soon as I see my friends, I definitely am heading over there and being, and like one arm waving in the air like, Oka, Manaya, Dewey! It's me, it's V! 
as you run toward this Ferris wheel, uh, are you pushing past the other people that are staggering around this like decrepit, broken down forest? Yeah, I think uh, V's kind of wouldn't her 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 friends are her priority right now. So she's just plowing her way through through the crowd, getting to that Ferris wheel. As you shout, I need you to make a charisma check, please. Thank God, charisma's my highest. Oh my God. Uh, I'm going to use it by inspiration, Okay, please. sounds good. <laughs> that's still... Well, it's a 13. A 13? Do you want to keep that? My chari- uh, let me use a point of collective inspiration. Sounds good. <laughs> wow, this, these dice are going into jail. Um, <laughs> 13 is still the highest. Okay. 13. Manaya, Oka, and Dewey make a wisdom save. 12. 12 from Manaya. 17. 17 from Oka. Dewey? 5. Okay. Manaya and Dewey. Like, as we look at this bone wheel uh, that V is running toward, it... The scene flashes and we see a beautiful Ferris wheel with like golden spokes, right? A steel gondola, like very safe rides, right? Uh, and we see Manaya, you're there. Nali's in the middle of like creating this little explosion of, of leaves for your entertainment. And then you hear kind of in the distance, V, what does Manaya hear? I think maybe she hears something about danger, something about falling. Okay. I'm assuming this is like part of V's yelling of like, it's yes. dangerous, you're going to fall. Yeah. So V, why don't you give us a little taste of what Manaya hears through the haze? It's like glimpses. Yeah. Through the haze, it's going to be something like, um, there's people in danger. People are going to fall. You have to protect them. You have to protect them. That's what you hear. And it sort of seems to cut through the haze a little bit. How do you react, Manaya? Uh, Manaya hears this. And her ears twitch. And I think maybe she reaches to uh, pull her long uh, braids back behind her ear. But instead of hitting the braids that she's known since she was three, uh, she hits three curly wild hair and maybe uh, hits a bit of a stick that's stuck in it and pulls her hand back and goes, "Uh, Mom, what's going on? Nali says, Oh, Manaya, don't, don't worry about that. That's just, that doesn't matter at all. It's just someone trying to ruin our fun. Look, leaves. Poof, poof, poof. Right, right. Uh, Mom, do you think... Manaya's like, very obviously has an ulterior motive because she's still a child and doesn't know how to do this kind of stuff yet. But she goes, she turn, turns to her mom and goes, Mom, do you think you could do the, the jumping thing to put us like on top of the gondola, just for a little bit. Just for a little bit. I swear, hold on. I promise. It'll be safe. Well... I know you... All right, if you just want to have some fun, hold on to my hands. Okay. Poof. There's like a puff of like magic, and you poof, teleport from your perspective onto the top of the gondola. You look out over this beautiful carnival, but... The edges of this carnival seem to be blurring. You see some green coming in, uh, and then it fades out, right? It's almost like there's something, there's an image trying to superimpose itself over what you're seeing, but it's, it's, it's what you're seeing is fighting back. We go back to V, who you see Manaya just sort of get up and stand, right? And the gondola standing up seems to be like wavering a little bit, reacting to your voice. And you also see we cut now to Dewey. 
V's voice cuts through this haze as Hana's pressing her face against the glass. V, gives a, give us a taste of what Dewey hears. Dewey, friend Dewey, I we need you. I need your your sharp intellect. Dewey, please come help me. Dewey, you hear this kind of familiar voice cutting through, and as you look over at Hana, she seems to, her form almost seems to fade a little bit, and then it fades back in. She turns her head and goes, Dad, what's wrong? Uh, nothing. I just, uh, don't worry about it, and he reaches out for her hand. As you reach out for Hana's hand, uh, you, you take it, and instead of a, like, child's hand, it's like an adult woman's hand with a glove and a diamond in it, right? You look up, and you see V's face suddenly, like, where Hana's like head's supposed to be, and I think maybe you're like shocked. You're like, "What the hell?" V, what does V Hana say? Dewey, you have to stay for your. And then you hear like, "Dewey, you you've got to help me get the others. They're stuck up on this on this Ferris wheel." Dewey, how do you respond? Dewey has fallen back and is like doing the scramble on his uh, on his hands, I guess, on the ground, and he's trying to like back up as far away from this monsterish figure that is V and his child. Yeah, very fucking weird. You fall down, right? And as you scramble backward, the the safe cage of the gondola like fades right away, like like an illusion dropping, and your back like hits something hard. You look around, similar to Manaya, you see the carnival spread out in front of you, but you also see an image trying to superimpose itself over your what you think is your reality. And you see like uh, the tendrils of vines and branches creep back in, like greenery, like layer itself on top. You see like the bustling midway suddenly turn like, a, there's like a sweep of red as it just turns into like a blood red stream, cutting through the heart of this carnival. You look around, the walls fade away and you're on some sort of like bone stare your bone ride you, there's not even like a safety net you're just sort of like standing there on like a a, a turret of bone and hana v's face fades away from hana as your child begins to disappear and the last thing hana says to you is oh, dad i knew you'd leave me she fades away uh, as the carnival, the true form of the carnival, seeps into your reality. And you see a little figure running toward the base of this bone wheel. V, at this point, you've reached the bottom of the Ferris wheel. What do you do? At this point, I'm kind of looking around for Oka, seeing if I can get them to, you know, join the, the land of re actual reality. Yeah, no, good luck with that. Uh... Oh, you hear, I think, uh, Oka's laugh uh, from way up, and you could, like, crane your neck up and see that uh, while all this has been going on, I think Oka uh, freed Kane. Uh, and now the two of them are up, like, all, like, literally all the way up on the top on the, like, circular part. Uh, and as it's moving, they're walk, like, they're walking on it. So they're still, they're like, at the top as it moves. Uh, but they're not just walking, they're, like, they're, like, dancing. They're like slow dance, like tangoing up at the top, like both of them. And they like kind of like get really close and Oka like, like they like bend back and like sway like over the edge, you know? And in their mind, it's like glittery and fun. And they're like laughing and little bits of like whiskey are like spilling down and they're like up there dancing. Um, but it just, but it's, you know, just them like 
really just wavering at the top of the bone thing right now. V, that's what you see of Oka. I love that. Uh, Oka, why don't you take another point of inspiration for that description? Very, very cool. Uh, you're walking and slow dancing and tangoing with Kane on top of this bone wheel, threatening to fall at any moment and plummet to your injury, if not your death, right? And now we see Manaya standing, right, on this gondola. And I think in your mind, Manaya, like the the carnival's beginning to fade away, beginning to peel away, and you're starting to see this image superimpose itself. What do you do? I think maybe the first thing she notices is that she's holding on to, like, a, a steel beam, right, that's holding the, the gondola to the Ferris wheel. And maybe the first thing she notices as the image of the ground is starting to fade is that she's not holding on to a steel beam, but uh, a femur. And there's a flash uh, and she stumbles back uh, and lets go uh, in abject horror. Yeah, you stumble back and you let go. And as you do, Nolly, who's next to you, begins to fade, right? She looks at you with a look of alarm and she just goes, No, Manaya, no, stay with me. Please, don't leave me again. Um, there's something wrong. I, this isn't... Manaya's like hyperventilating at this point. And I think as Nolly like, fully fades away she like passes like a hand trying to cup the side of your cheek but the hand just like goes through you you know uh and she just goes we could have been a family again manaya and now you've killed me twice and nolly just falls away as the true carnival drops into like like you're no longer being hoodwinked here you see the reality of what's going on and you're like whoa you're wavering there and you hear a laugh right you look up and you see oka and so do you, Dewey, and V, dancing at the very top of this Ferris wheel. And I think now we're going to cut very quickly to Oka, your perspective, as you're dancing with Kane, you're tangoing, right? You can feel, hear the music, and there's glitters and sparkles everywhere, you know, and the, the Ferris wheel's moving, and you'll occasionally hop over a gondola and dance on it and hop back down, right, onto, like, the circular strut. <laughs> Where'd you learn how to dance like that? <laughs> And then Oka pauses as they try to remember, which is exactly what they are not trying to do. And they like misstep. Uh, but I think like Kane kind of like catches them. <laughs> I don't know. I must have learned it here. Yes, yes, you did. Oh, darling. Uh, Kane pulls you in, like hand on the, on, the, on the small of your back. I almost lost you there for a minute. Don't leave. No, no, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> this is fun. Yes, this is really fun. And then Kane pulls you in for a dip. Uh, and on the dip, they kiss you. Uh, and we pull back and we see like V, you're at the base of this Ferris wheel. You see this like kiss going on between both Kane and Oka, both of whom look really battered and bruised and like fucked up. V, spotlight's on you. What do you do? Dewey and Manai are sort of jolted out, right, of their trance, and they are taking, like, a moment to gather themselves, but Oka is not. What's the move here? I can hear... Did, did I just hear that conversation from way down below? Oh, uh, why not? Fuck it. Yeah, you did. Yeah. All right. Um, v has an idea for a moment and decides to use... Reaches real deep down, again... Magic is real hard to come by right now, even though the weave has emboldened her a little bit. And she's trying to use her minor illusion cantrip to manifest 
a portrait of Makoya right next to Oka's face. Oka, you see a portrait, something just flash into existence next to you, right? And you see yourself looking back at you, long-haired, something, this dredges something up inside of you. What is it? Horror, I think. Uh, So much so uh, that... Oka, like, startles. Uh, they startle and they shift backward, forgetting that they're at the top of the uh, Ferris wheel. Uh, and they grab onto Kane as they are fall- They are falling backward and they just tip over the side, uh, even though both of, the- of their wings are out and they just start falling. With, like, Kane holding onto them, I think. Oka and Kane make a swan dive off the top of the Ferris wheel headed straight toward you, V. What do you do? V is going to quickly run into position and try to break their fall with her own body. V, make an athletics check. Let's see how you do. Hope it was- 20, baby! (laughs) Oh my god. Oh my god, this is exactly what we needed. V, Tell me how you save the day. Oh my God. Um, so I think actually V is gonna quick and actually make turn this more into like an acrobatic situation of uh, jumping from spoke to spoke of the bone about halfway up and leaps into the air and kind of catches, like wraps arms around both of these uh, folks and is trying to land, like maybe there's a tent of gnarled trees on the other side of the gap and she manages to use it and and like can't land on it but uses it to like run down and just like crash in the ground and, and bob and roll and like a good parkour fall as you bob and roll right this this fully breaks you oka out of your trance right you hit the ground and it's not a tent you land on but v and like gnarled branches and canes in there somewhere. You're looking around, all these memories are rushing back at the same time as they're rushing back to you, Manaya, and you, Dewey. Oka, how do you react? I think Oka goes like, they roll and they roll and they roll. And they kind of like, just like land there. And they immediately like put a hand to their chest. Uh, And I think the wound starts bleeding for the first time. Think there was maybe some like magic going on. <laughs> I think I'm at like five HP right now. Uh, and Oka, uh, they like take their hand away and they look at the blood and then they look at V. What? <laughs> what? What are What are you doing? Oka, you can you can see me. I've you almost died. And then I like point up to the top of the Ferris wheel so like they can see the Ferris wheel, what it actually hopefully looks like. You were up there and you fall. You fell. I, I only fell because you, 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 you did something. I was, I was fine. I was having a fine time. V, where, what, what is this? What, 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 what is this? This is the carnival. Whatever you were seeing, was not real, friend. This is what is real right now. Oka is silent. Oka, as you fall silent, Kane, who's also in this mess, ugh, ugh, they groan and they like, they like grab the sides of their temples and they blink and their unfocused eyes start to like flutter back into focus. They look around, they go, what is this? Where am I? What's going on? Oka, 
I don't... What? <sighs> so this is the carnival. <clears throat> Thank you so much, V. Thank you. That was great. You... You did this? Kane turns to you, V, as they f- slowly, like, get up, right, from the ground. They're, like, backing away just a little, right? But you see, like, their silvery eyes are, like, shining with rage, it seems. And, like, like you just came in and you ruined everyone's fun. Kane goes, ah, you, hi, I didn't want to be woken up. You, you did this to me, you. You. Kane like slowly backs away and you see like they're like headed toward the big top, right? Uh, they're silhouetted against it as they like back away. They retreat uh, toward this glowing like like tent, right? In, in the near distance. And maybe on this, Manaya and Dewey, the two of you are up there on the Ferris wheel. You see all of this happening. You're coming back into your bodies. What do the two of you do? Dewey is suddenly jolted back to reality and he moves to like scoot his left hand uh, back again, but there's nothing behind him, so he just goes backwards off the platform. Do you fly? Do you remember you can fly? No. <laughs> okay. I didn't expect to fly. Okay. Uh, Dewey, you plummet off the platform. Do you like scream and like shout on your way down? Probably instinctually yeah okay yeah uh you let out uh, a, a scream as you plummet through the air oka and v the two of you see interrupting kane's sentence this feathered body of your friend dewey falling through the air toward you what do the two of you do i guess uh, v is gonna you don't have to <laughs> try to fine. catch another friend <laughs> oka lets him fall v's gonna run up and try to catch uh Catch a Dewey. All right, make another athletics check for me, V. Watch this be the one. Oh, God. Zero. I got an <laughs> unnatural zero. Okay, so I think what that means is, V, describe to me how you, how, how this happens. I think it's a shorter fall, and so V is, like, sprinting and just, like, can't even do anything but, like, leap out, like, completely just... Put it all out there, leaping to get underneath Dewey. Uh-huh. Dewey slams into you, but let's say the tent that cushioned your fall, the tent of, of, of branches, is already smashed from when Oka fell. Uh, so Dewey slams into you, like, full force. Uh, what are both of you at, HP-wise? I'm at 18. Okay. I'm at 41. Okay. Uh, I need both of you to take... 12 points of bludgeoning damage as Dewey slams against V and the ground. As that happens, Kane just lets out a, no, no, I don't want this. I don't want this to be real. Wait, I'll come with you. And Oka gets up uh, and takes one look at the bone carnival mess. And they shake their head. And they grab Kane's hand and start pulling them toward the big top. Oka, you and Kane turn and you flee toward this golden, glowing, big, thrumming with pressure and magic big top. Before I uh, describe what's in there, right? We're like, what it's like. We're going to cut now back to Manaya, who's still standing on the Ferris wheel. Manaya, what do you do? Manaya is hyperventilating, but every breath in is so much 
uh, deeper than every breath out that eventually her huge, trained sailor's lungs are full of air. And she falls to her knees and clasps her hands like over her ears on her head. We zoom in on Manaya's face, just streaming with tears and sweat and a little bit of blood spattered with leaves and branches in her hair as she lets out a an impossibly loud, horrifically primal scream that almost shakes the wheel uh, with its power and resonates across the carnival, you know, disrupting some birds in the distance as this seven years trained sailor voice trained to carry over the loudest storms of Andake just lets loose. Uh, Manaya, you let out this primal scream, right? Uh, and this just resonates throughout the entire carnival. Were you trying to accomplish something something with this or is this or is this like a moment of like cathartic release? It's release. Cathartic is questionable. Okay, sounds good. Uh, Manaya, you stand there and you shout, and maybe that jolts uh, V and Dewey, the two of you are still in like a crumpled heap at like the bottom of the wheel, and like your your ears ring with Manaya's uh, howl as Oka and Kane disappear into the big top, right? The tent flap, like billowing in the wind, right? To admit entrance. V and Dewey, what do the two of you do? V looks up to Manaya, looks at the now flapping tent entrance that Oka and Kane have disappeared into. And I think she just sort of lets out a sigh and just being like, I've got so much more work to do. And kind of like, she just sort of puts her head down a little bit. She's exhausted. <laughs> okay, Dewey, what about you? Dewey's eyes are drawn towards Medaya. And as soon as he realizes, Oh, everyone's back. Oh no, Paragon business. He plants his face in the dirt and covers his head and his ears with his wing. And he's crying into the dirt. Wow, taking a dust bath like a true pigeon, okay? Crying into the dirt. And I think maybe like on Dewey burrowing his head into the dirt, we cut back to Manaya, who's like, finally done shouting, right? Like, you've, you've screamed yourself hoarse. Every ounce of, like, your energy is wasted, is gone. What do you do? I think maybe Manaya's scream breaks towards the end of her, like, capacity for air. And she just sobs. And she starts sort of rocking back and forth. And uh, maybe losing her footing a little bit on the... Uh, bones, I guess, that she's on. Uh, she can't handle what's happening. This is literally so much more than anything else that's ever happened to her. There is literally death all around her. So I think as she kneels and she sort of walks on her knees a little bit, she stumbles and slips and silently falls. V and Dewey, are either of you going to do you have the capacity to try to break her fall, or are you just gonna like let her, let her, let her rip? I think the best V can do, like the the screaming has stopped, which causes V to look up and sees the stumble and the fall, and uh, 
reaches up and casts mage hand. Oh my god. To like, oh my god. Yes. Coming in clutch. Do that little bit of like 10 pounds of lifting to try to help uh, Manai out. But yeah, V physically has like nothing left to like try to break this fall. Okay, Manaya, what are you at? 94. Yeah, you're good. Uh, you are going to... <laughs> V's help is going to reduce the damage taken by one, I think. Uh, so you are yeah. going to take uh, 14 points of bludgeoning damage uh, as you fall to the ground. And on Manaya's body, like, thudding, right? A little bit of an illusory hand, breaking your fall just a little bit, right? This plume of dust comes up uh, as leaves are kicked up, dead leaves, right? From this uh, crumpled uh, burrow of... of tented branches. We open on a tea shop in Rosso. A server brings out a silvery tray with a nice green tea specimen on it. Uh, moves past the rather uh, crowded shop and sets down this tray at a table near a window. And Dr. Aluso looks up at the server and says, Thank you. Uh, that'll be all. Uh, and the server nods and retreats as Dr. Aluso picks up this teapot and pours out a cup for Squeak, the round, circular, rotund orbitus Grung, uh, who sits across the small tea table from Dr. Aluso. Uh, Squeak takes this teacup and says, Thank you, Hitchagachin. Is she gonna show? I don't know if she's gonna show. She seems very busy. Well, this is V we're talking about, and the others, so I'm pretty sure she'll care. All right, but we did say we'd only wait here for an hour, so if she doesn't get here, we have to go in there and save them ourselves. Understood, understood. Ah, uh, and a bell rings as the shop door opens right and i think like a gust of wind rolls in with like several like black feathers right that like roll into this shop and silhouetted against the threshold uh with like a, a cape made of feathers right she like ducks to get under because that's how big she is rev steps into the tea shop and she like brushes like her like black and white hair out of her face uh and, like, uh, the patrons in the shop all, like, stare at her because there's something about Rev. Maybe it's the fact that she's ginormous and muscular. Maybe it's the fact that she's wearing a literal cape of feathers. Maybe it's the fact that her tattoos are golden and they seem to glow under the uh, candled light uh, of this tea shop. But there's something about Rev that radiates power. This paragon, this fully realized paragon of the Raven Queen steps forward and takes an oversized seat next to Dr. Aluso and Squeak. Ah, you must be Rev. Dr. Aluso stands and offers a hand. Rev just eyes it and then shakes it. Uh, her dry and cold skin, right? Uh, her hand gripping Dr. Aluso very tightly. Yeah, that's me. You said V was in trouble? Yes. She is. So is Manaya and Oka and Dewey. They haven't checked in for almost a month now at this point. It did take us about two weeks to get here, so I'm getting a little worried. Yes, we fear the carnival might have 
taking them all, swallow them into his dark heart. Who is this? Oh, uh, this is Squeak, my associate. There's a lot that we need to catch you up on. Please, have a seat. And Rev accepts a cup of green tea from Dr. Eluso. And I think, like, whoosh, on the steam rising from this cup, we, like, cut the scene away, right? And when the steam dies down, we transition to a dilapidated heap of three people. Dewey, Manaya, and V. The three of you broken, battered, and bruised at the base of this sinister bone wheel. What do the three of you do? V finally begins to find the strength to stand back up and looks at her two friends here, looks at the tent and goes back to her friends and tries to help first Dewey and then Manaya up off the ground and be like, friends, are you here with me right now? Do you, do you see what's all around us? Dewey swats these hands away and is like, give, give him back. Go, give him back. V stands back a little bit and like, Dewey, none of it was real. None of, they were, whoever you saw, they were never there. You were simply seeing an illusion no more real than half the illusions you've seen me perform on people. I know. And Dewey sits up and wipes some mud off of the entire front of his body, I guess. What happened to Manaya? He turns to Manaya to check on her and to help her if she can. Manaya doesn't move for what seems like a very long while before she stirs. And she gets up of her own accord. Uh, her cape of leaves are brown and shriveled and wilted. I don't think she has her axe. And she stares above V's head, just empty and lifeless, but standing. Manaya, are you okay? He says nothing. V like looks back to the tent and trying to like bring a sense of urgency. She's she's trying to like push down that exhaustion and be like, friends, Oka is in there with Kane. This is the source of the carnival. I can feel it in the weave. This this is it. This is what we've come for. We've got to go in after Oka. Shouldn't we be at our best to go in? <laughs> Look at us. We've got to do something. Our friend is in there. We can't just leave to recuperate and come back. I've pushed myself very hard to come rescue you all. We can't just stop right now. We've got to get Oka. We can't leave them. I'm assuming, V, you gesture towards the, the big top where we need to go and maybe take a step in that direction. Manaya also takes a step forward, trying to imply that she's not going to say anything, but she will follow you. V sees that and feels a, like a small smile on her face, and she turns to Dewey. Are you with us, Dewey? Can we count on you? Yeah, let's let's go get him. And that V turns around and takes a deep breath and 
for once is leading the charge into the big top. V, you stand up flanked on either side by Manaya and Dewey. Two of you brace yourselves, right? And you walk toward the big top. As you get closer to this massive circus tent with its pin-striped canvas, right? And like a little like entrance foyer area uh, that some like pavilions have. The three of you sense it. The pressure. The presence of godhood. As you get closer and closer, the weave seems to pull tight, tight, tight against your skins, right? Like your fish or sharks caught in a fisherman's net, right? This weave just pulling tight, tight, tight against you, grating against your soul, threatening to slice it into pieces if you're not strong enough. But the three of you are. This kind of energy, right, is roiling. There's something about the edges of the weave here that feel frayed. As you get closer, it's almost like you're moving through molasses, right? Like you're, It's like your legs are made of lead. They're really hard to pick up. There's something inside this tent that seems to feel your presence and is trying to keep you out. How do the three of you stride forward regardless? Manaya doesn't put any more effort into walking than she did outside the tent uh, and therefore probably slows down just because of the pressure. Dewey? Dewey's also slowing down, but keeping an eye on Manaya to make sure she doesn't get left behind and keeping V in front of him. V, I've been I've been lying. I've had one spell slot left that I've been holding for this wow. moment. Wow, okay. It's a level one spell slot. I'm going <laughs> to cast Disguise Self, but all it is is I remain V, but like Carnival V. Big, like, black pinstriped, uh, like, a, you know, like the ringmaster type jacket and like a cool little black top hat, like tall top hat and little green glasses, sunglasses tinted, and just as like ready for the carnival. Looking very fresh compared to how she looked very haggard beforehand. Okay. And with that, the three of you push on, right? Manaya slowing down a little bit. The three of you standing abreast, you know you have to rescue Oka. You have to figure out what's going on with Scott and Nexus and stop this farce once and for all. The three of you walk toward this like little entrance flap, right? And V, you stride through. There is a dazzling light, right? I think all three of you have to reflexively like shield your eyes or like blink, right? As this like light just beams down on you on all, on all sides, almost like Galtanger's rays, like sh shedding down upon you. And when the when your eyes adjust, right, and you're able to like, blink them open like warily, you see. Scud and Nectus's big top. All around you, surrounding this entire ginormous big top, are bleachers. On the bleachers, seated all around you is an audience of masked onlookers. And these masks are sort of like theater masks, right? Venetian, almost. Some of them look to be painted to uh, depict like pure euphoria. Others look like the masks of tragedy and despair. Very similar to Quayle Heart, right? Uh, there's other masks that sort of look like, you know, like um, like unsure, confused, surprised, shocked, lustful, uh, guarded, perceptive. All sorts of emotions are on display here all around the entire circumference of this big top. 
and there's noise of people cheering and applauding and laughing and jeering and booing as you look down and you see three rings in the middle of this big top. A small ring to the left, small ring to the right, and a massive ring in the center. And weaving on the dirt floor between these rings are clowns and jesters and performers uh, riding on unicycles, like juggling like knives, right? Um, and like what looked to be explosives and torches with green light just like glimmering on the ends. Dewey, what is the performance taking place on the left stage? Can it be someone like riding a horse, but the thing where they stand on the horse? Yes. Uh, inspiration to anyone who knows what that's called. Vaulting. Okay, inspiration to Oka, I guess. The left ring has a vaulting performance going on. Uh, there's a beautiful person standing on the back of a horse, and they're like, you know, they're like, their arms are out in like a V shape. The horse is like going around the perimeter uh, of the ring, and they're like doing tricks on top of the horse. They'll jump up, and then they'll like hop, like grab onto the saddle, right, and kick their legs up into the air. And they somehow produce like a bow and arrow, right? And they use their foot to notch the arrow inside the bow and pull it back, right? And they fire it while they're on horseback at like a ring. And the arrow goes through the top of an apple uh, where you see a person is standing there, a a halfling in a mask, right? With the apple on top of their head and the arrow goes right through the apple and people applaud and go, the the crowd goes wild and they throw roses, you know, and like kettle corn um, and all sorts of uh, gifts at the feet of this this horse and, and this horseback rider. Manaya, what is the performance happening in the rightmost ring? It is a balancing act, and it's not a super high balancing act, but it is extremely dangerous. There's fire and bubbling acid and spikes and all sorts of just horrific, untimely deaths that would befall these performers if they didn't have the utmost confidence and the utmost jovialness just dancing across these really thin beams yeah what's it called like a high wire is that the name like a really tall slack line uh, but strung between two poles and at the bottom there's no net but there is like as you mentioned like a fire pit just like flames looking up and there's also like a giant vat of acid right and like a pit of stakes Right. And like there's performers and they're doing acts on top of this high wire. Right. Um, they're like they're they're juggling. One of them struggling. One of them is even going up, you know, up and across like the the slack line on a unicycle. Another one. They're like pretending to like fence each other. Right. And like the, the wire is like bouncing and bouncing. And some of them seem like they might lose their balance, but they never quite. But the risk the threat of it is always there. And as this horseback rider notches another arrow with her feet, uh, the halfling puts another apple, smaller apple on their head. The risk of this halfling being shot through the head is always there. Oh, but the reward, the payoff, the laughter and the clapping and the encore, encore, encore of the audience almost makes it worth it. And the three of you, your gazes are now trained on the final ring in the middle, the biggest ring. There is a raised dais in the center of this ring, and for now the ring appears empty. There's nothing happening in it. But the three of you see slumped against the dais, Oka and Kane. The two of you are at the base of the dais, almost like you've been knocked out and then placed there like ragdolls, right? Leaned there. Oka, you're not completely unconscious. What are you doing as you're sort of slumped there, the carnival having sunk its tendrils back into your soul. 
Oka's kind of just like looking around blearily, and they keep like th- thumbing the front of their chest, and like they're trying to watch the trapeze act over them, and they just kind of like slump down further. Uh, and then they kind of like, with their other hand, like grab at Kane's hand like loosely, and they look, and then they are just kind of like dazed uh, and continuing to just like kind of slump there. Not much. Yes, the pressure. The presence of the gods nearby, though you don't see them immediately, is so dense and intense inside this tent, right? It's like the four of you are inside a ball of lightning, right? Or like you're inside like the bottom of like a vast ocean, like with this just kilometers and kilometers of water just pressing down, trying to compress your bodies into just beads of like flesh and bone, Right? As if like the presence of the divine is trying to show you you're nothing, you're just a mortal. Look at me, I am eternal. Right. Manaya, V, and Dewey, I think the three of you are just sweating. You're straight up sweating from being in here. Like it's, you know, like it takes everything you have to just stand on your feet, like, and, and not kneel in the presence of this of this godhood. What do the three of you do? Manaya offers no resistance if she has the slightest inclination to kneel or get down on the ground, she will do so. Okay, there's a thud as Manaya, I think maybe you drop to one knee, right? And like maybe you're panting really hard. (sighs) And like your eyes are like kind of wide and like sweats rolling down like the side of your temple uh, as like the pressure is so immense it's choking your soul from the inside. Dewey, what do you do? I'm going to try and make my way to Oka and Kane, but always keep them between me and the ring the empty ring okay makes sense you do not want to turn your back on that thing uh you i think you stride past like the tall bleachers right on either side of you almost like the three of your prize fighters right on like boxing night right coming like out of your like training rooms um and as you as you walk everyone on the bleachers as soon as you move like a ripple effect they turn and these masks their painted gazes fall upon you and as you walk these the ones that notice you, the audience members that notice you fall silent, right? They stop clapping, they stare, and they turn as you walk forward, even though Manaya is still- stop. Okay. <laughs> Dewey, you stop walking as you notice that these audience members are turning and watching you and falling silent. V, what do you do? V is going to see Oka and Kane. She turns and watches Manaya fall to her knees. She watches Dewey move forward and how that seems to have sucked in the attention of the entire audience. And she's just sweating so profoundly and feeling this unbearable weight from the weave. And she just like takes uh, this tuxedo. Well, it's not even a real tuxedo. It's an illusion, right? So underneath the, the tuxedo jacket is her normal sleeve that she uses to wipe her brow and it's showtime, and she pushes as hard as she can against this weight towards that empty circle and tries to put on a little dancing show for the crowd and and starts, like, trying to lead the crowd in a chant of Scott and Nectus, actually. Scott and Nectus! Scott and Nectus! V, as soon as you start this chant as you're walking, pushing past the pressure toward this empty ring, the lights... Kush, kush, systematically shut off, right? From like, from the rafters where you also see performers like 
dancing and looping around on like the beams above, but everything's plunged into darkness as your voice maybe like fades away off into the shadow, right? And then in the complete pitch blackness of this tent, we hear the crowd chant in unison. Scud and Nectus, Scud and Nectus, Scud and Nectus. And as that happens, there's almost like a drum beat underneath all this. Do, 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 do. And ka-ching, a single spotlight illuminates the central ring. We see Oka, Kane, slumped, faces cast in shadow against this raised dais. V, you hear a drum roll. Snares going from all around. V, before the grand reveal. Give you a moment to react here. What do you do? V is going to try to get as close as possible. The closer, though, the more of this weight presses upon her. So she's like, she's like, tries to dance, but it's again feels like she's moving through sludge until it gets harder and harder. And she ends up kind of falling to one knee, but like standing up and like staring at this space waiting for the next thing to come but still and like she's become if, it, if you can't tell she's very defiant right now she is going to confront the gods the drum roll comes to a peak and then stops as a hole opens up at the top of this dais and a platform raises up, right? Uh, like a uh, like a musician or a performer like coming up from like under the stage, right? And a platform comes up, and then all four of you see them standing on top of this platform. The ringmaster, a single person in a velvet swallowtail jacket. Its purple hues deep like blood. They twirl a baton made of periwinkle light. A cascade of lavender sparkles explodes. And when this glittering cloud settles down, you see their face. Or rather, their faces. Two visages superimposed over each other. The edges blending together like an optical illusion. Or a holographic card trapped in an eternal moment of transition. One of these faces is that of a half-elf. Tanned skin spackled with freckles, brown eyes, sharp, vicious. The other face is that of a tiefling with a single broken horn jutting from their forehead. Her eyes are golden, her skin purple. Wildly different hair sprouts from either side of this ringmaster's scalp. The half-elf has a long, vividly red hair like fire, shaved on the side that's braided vertically down their back. The tiefling has black hair obsidian, also shaved on the side but tied up into a bun. V, Dewey, Manaya, you recognize these two faces instantly. They are the gods of risk and reward. Skad and Nectus, the lovers who must never be worshipped apart. But they are apart, as in Skad and Nectus are never depicted as a single being like Yudabathi, right? 
Their love, their bond is what binds them together, but they're still separate and distinct. They're individuals, right? And this melding, this blending of two individual parts into a single dilapidated whole feels wrong. Scod and Nectus must be worshipped together, yes, but always on their own terms. Scod is risk, Nectus is reward. The offerings are doubled, not mashed together. Even the weave, or what remains of it here, right, flickers and spasms around this ringmaster. Frayed edges of magic lash out at you like whips. Vinash's presence felt enraged, mighty, consuming. The Raven Queen's presence felt immense, calm, grieving. Scud and Nectus's presence feels deranged. Like two magnets of opposing poles smashing into each other over and over again, forced together through terror and desperation. The ringmaster twirls their baton and when they slam it onto the ground, it's elongated into a cane. The top of it, a fist clenched around a bagpipe. And Scott and Ectus say, their voices layered over each other. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the magnificent, to the one and only, to the amazing, mystical, marvelous, magical carnival. And in the darkness, Applause erupts. V, what do you do? V starts to laugh at them, but not in a I'm enjoying this kind of way, in more of a you. So you're your gods. You this is what the, the gods of Endake look like. The laughter dies down as like Scott and Nectus are like sort of feeding the crowd, and when you speak, they twirl the cane. And they rest both hands on top of it. They lean against it and they cock their head to the side. Their four eyes fixed on you. Well, of course not, silly. We're just an echo of an echo of what we used to be. Just like you. V thinks about this for a moment. She says aloud to them, I didn't believe you existed for so very long, most of my life, and... Now that I see you here, I'm kind of amused, friends. Not at your humor, not at this circus you put before us, but I laugh because I am so utterly mystified at how horrible you treat your subjects. You put us through nightmares and think that we should just bow and have a good time and laugh at your efforts? How dare you? This is unbelievably gross what you have done to these people. Why, you insolent little. Now, now, honey. Uh, and on the growl, one face seemed to be shifting into like greater prominence, right? It's the half-elf, right? With like a snarl on their lip, a sharp tooth. And then the other half takes over. The purple tiefling. You see their eyes, their golden eyes, fixed upon you. And it's Nectus who addresses you, V. Hold on. I think 
We know you. She snaps. Uh, and time and space collapse. Uh, and V, you find yourself standing in the middle of the ring. Uh, almost like you're, like you were like magnetized toward them, right? Um, and now you're at the base of this ring, of this dais. In front of you, Oka and Kane slumped. Above you, towering above you, right? Their bodies silhouetted in this blinding spotlight from, from the heavens. Scott and Nectus look down on you, head cocked to the side when a broken horn illuminated in the darkness. You're our paragon. I believe this to be so. Oh, but you don't look like him. Wrong paragon, my love. This one's a broken one, just like us. Is she now? Let's see. Let's see. And it's Nectus who raises the staff and then makes a circle uh, in the sky above her head. And the ground underneath your feet, uh, almost like a lazy Susan, starts spinning. And like it raises, right? And like lights ding, 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 ding up here on like the, the edge of the spinning plate. And like a, like circus music starts playing in the back, right? So you're sort of like, you're like braced and like you... In the middle, you're like rotating, right? Like you're a planet revolving around a sun. You're rotating around Scott and Nectus, uh, who turn their heads like to follow you as you as you move. <laughs> you look nothing like our other one. Look at you, sad, scrawny. I can see right past that illusion. You're nothing compared to Ying. Now, 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 lover, we have to give her a chance, don't we? Tell us. What's your name? And a spotlight, ding, clicks on you. And the spotlight like revolves to follow you as you're spinning around Scott and Nectus. V takes a deep breath and says, my name is Vasante Nakshirzo. Vasante Nakshirzo. Now that's an old name for someone who's never even seen a dragon in her life. A name she doesn't deserve, I'm sure. I come from a white dragon. My mother's name was Paya, and I've been told all my life that I was fated, destined to be something very special, and I've come here, I guess, to accept whatever that responsibility is. A white dragon, is that so? Ugh. Oh, that's too bad. She's one of yours. Darling, I thought we left that in the past. Uh, and it's God's face that takes over now, right? Uh, freckles sort of like glimmering on uh, their cheek like stars. Well, let's see if you have what it takes. You who deign to insult us here in the seat of our power. You deign to say what we try to do here is evil. Ha! Let's see if you're even worth being our paragon. Honey, come, come now. Perhaps she does have a point. Perhaps we are being a little unfair. And what, pray tell, Vasante Nakshirzo, are you mad at us about? Are we not keeping our people safe? Are we not keeping them happy? The cataclysm tore us from each other. And you see the ringmaster hug themselves, right? And like one hand uh, is purple and the other one is just like 
uh, uh, tanned, right, with freckles going all the way down. But now we found each other again, and we can't, no, we can't, no, we can't let go. So what's so bad about staying here with us safe in our little bubble? Why would you try to take that from us? If you stay here doing the things that you're doing, all of Andake is going to fall. You were never there for me in the last 110 years of my life. And yet, despite that, I am here before you trying my best to help my friends here today and doing what I can to save Endake. And that is more important than whether you are safe or not here. And if my responsibility is to let you inside of me to hold on to till we have fixed what's going on in Andake, if it will help my friends and protect them, that's what I'm going to do. Bold words from Small Fry. Now, 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 darling. She has a chance to prove herself just like Ying did. Fine. You. The spinning fl- uh, platform suddenly stops. Maybe you're like a little dizzy here, like this entire time you were talking. And Scott and Nectus walk down the dais. Tap, tap, tap. Their feet coming down the steps. And they stride toward you. They lower this cane in your direction and time and space collapse yet again until you're brought, dragged right from your solar plexus right in front of Scott and Nectus in front of this ringmaster. And you stop with your breast pressed against the hard top of this cane. Now, darling, this won't hurt a bit. Just stay still. V is going to stare directly into all four eyes. And she's going to grab the cane. Take a deep breath. Do your worst. There is a massive um, suction, right? Like a massive sucking sensation, right? From the tip of this cane pointed directly over your heart. And all of you in this big top now see a flash of light, a flash of purple light streaked with red and all the other colors of the rainbow explode out from this point of contact. As Scott and Nectus, the ringmaster, pull the cane back and V, holy fuck, your heart comes out. Your heart, your beating heart is pulled out of your chest. Gagoosh, gagoosh, gagoosh. And it floats, right? Uh, on top of, of this cane as Scott and Nectus like coaxes it out of your chest cavity. And as soon as it like comes out of your skin, it's like there's a hollow in your chest and your eyes are like wide and you're staring at your actual physical heart beating uh, in, in the air above your head. And as you do, you hear Scott and Nectus say in unison, their voices layered over each other. And now for the test. And V the world drops away from you. And you're suddenly in like this black space, this nebulous area. The closest comparison is when you died 
and Rev was here, right, and pulled you back when you were back in the court. But Rev isn't here. It's just yourself. You're standing in the middle of a black, nebulous nothingness, a vast void spreading out in every direction that you can see. And then the world starts to populate from the outside in. You see uh, mountains and, and, and forests and, and trees and a lake and... You realize where you are. You are standing in the middle of a battlefield. Uh, you see cavalry charging forward. Uh, you like look and you see like a, a, an armored paladin astride an equally armored horse with a massive lance as they run this lance through. The face stealer. Uh, you see a massive creature with claws and faces stitched onto its body, rearing up, screaming as this lance pierces it through. Uh, you see other soldiers at the base of the face here swinging like um, bayonets and, and uh, uh, not bayonets, sorry, swinging scimitars and, and swords and daggers at this face stealer. You look around, you see like another monster, that huge, uh, squirming a puddle of flesh and, and ooze and puss with like chains wrapped around its body, oozing puss onto the ground. A spellcasters fling fire and ice, right? And like vines shoot up and try to spear this thing and fight it. And in the distance, you, V, see the stranger. Eyes and wings sprawling out from horizon to horizon as far as you can see. This is the fight for Endake's soul. And you hear a voice from behind you go, out of the way, now, now. What do you do? V is going to quickly get up and um, spin around to see who that was. And like, she just gets in a very defensive stance and she's like looking at whoever, wherever that voice came from and also back to the stranger and back and forth real fast. And you see Ying, Skad and Nectus's original paragon. A tiefling man with golden skin. And you see just the slightest hint of scales, right? Dusting his cheek. Uh, he's got this like long black hair that's braided back, almost like Viking style, like back, 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 that like flows down, right, down his shirt. And he's wearing this like light leather armor uh, and he's got like a book uh, strapped to uh, the left side of his hip. But he's running right toward you and you, you brace maybe, but he goes right through you. And you realize you're the illusion here. So he walks past you, pulls out that book. You realize it's not a book after all. It's uh, It seems to be a container of some sort. Uh, he opens it and you see inside hollowed out, you see a deck of cards. And Ying pulls out a card and basically throws it onto the ground. Poof. Uh, and rippling out right from where the card like hit onto the ground uh you see like a massive wave of like uh, ice spikes shoot up they spear through like the the, the face dealer they spear through a uh, puss boy i think is what we called him right and it goes toward like another one of these monsters spawned by the stranger's presence and you see like other people cheer like nearby like as ying steps in to save the day and ying turns to one of the paladins and says Get your men and women and your other fighters. Get them back to the tent. This ambush, it's too much for us to take. We have to, we have to regroup, we have to rally. What about you, Corporal? I'll be fine. I have Scott and Nectus on my side and this deck. The other Paragons should be here soon. I'll hold them back. Uh, and Ying takes out another card uh, and tosses it into the air and whooshing, uh, like angelic wings sprout from their back and they take off into the air. 
V, how is this making you feel? I think V is starting to cry, like, not like overcome, like, blubbering crying, but just like tears are running down her face as she's seeing this Ying. It appears he's, you know, he's about to, like, sacrifice himself to fight the stranger alone for her until these other paragons show up, and V just has this, this feeling. It's a feeling of destiny. It's like a feeling of truth, like with a capital T just filling her up, and she's, like, overcome with it as she's watching this. Okay. And then this vision fades away, and you're standing there in front of Scott and Nectus, and your heart is glowing above you. Scott and Nectus look up at it. They slowly lower your heart back into your chest. And that hollow seals up again. Oh dear. Oh my. Oh no. And Scott and Nectus slowly back away from you, like someone pressed rewind, right? Like a perfect backing up, right? Back up the dais. And I think from the base of the dais, Oka speaks in this double-layered voice, Vinash's voice rattling out of their chest. (laughs) You two have always been so dramatic. Vinash? 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 It's you! It's... Wait. Where's the rest of you? I was not as lucky as you two. This thing holding me grows weak. Choose yours wisely. No, 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 no. You were taken from the rest of yourself? No, no, that can't happen to us. No, no, we won't let that happen to us. No, without Scott, without Nectus, I'm... Where? Nothing. You. And the ringmaster turns back, like on top of their dais, to you, V. Your heart. We weighed it against Ying's heart. And I'm so sorry, Visanti. I'm so, so sorry to say you're not worthy. You don't deserve us. You may be our paragon. But we're not your gods, honey. V just cries. I think that's probably the meanest thing anyone's ever said to her. And on that, I think what happens next is this. But there is someone here who might be able to hold us. Yes, honey, yes. It's time. It's time. Are you ready? I'm ready. You and me, Nectus. You and me, darling, till the end of the line. And Scott and Nectus turn to look down at the base of the dais in Oka's direction. There is a flash of light as they leap down, and Oka, I think Vinash is like, has left the premises, so it's just you. It's just you as you see this ringmaster dive down toward you, Oka. How do you respond? Grit my fucking teeth, baby! You grit your teeth and you feel these two gods pass into your body and out the back. 
as Scott and Nectus enter Kane. Kane slumped there, <gasps> gasps awake, right? Uh, their mouth opening as this beam of just divine godlike light shoots into their body and Kane's like chest flies forward like their their arms spread in either direction in supplication and they're trembling and shaking as this beam of light shoots in through their chest letting out a scream of pain and divine fury Oka V Manaya Dewey how do the four of you respond I think V is just alone not even like watching that just being like been rejected once again now by the gods and just is crying there's a as Scott and Ectus vanish in, inside Kane and Kane has like struggled to their feet and they're sort of staggering there right and like the spotlights click back on so the rest of the big top is illuminated but there's something wrong the lights are flickering Right? And the audience, the masked audience in this venue are like murmuring amongst each other as Kane staggers. Gah. Uh. Oka. Oka. And they reach out like a hand to, to grab at you, Oka, as the ground begins to shake and the beams supporting the tent begin to crack. What do you do, Oka? Yeah, Oka is still like on the ground, and I think when it happened, they like it passed through them, and then they opened their eyes, and it wasn't them, and they turned, and like this like look of sh- horror and shock has come over their face, and they're like holding their hands against their mouth, uh, and they like super tentatively like reach their hand out. Kane, Kane, what's what's happening to me? What is this? I don't, I don't. I don't feel great. And when they touch your hand, there is just an absolute massive explosion. Like the sonic boom at the beginning of the session, bam, like sweeps out originating from Kane. And all four of you are knocked off your feet. You fly through the air, a blinding light sears right through your vision as the big top explodes. Podcast editing is by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and explaintrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out explaintrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon paragons. Abigail Rytel, Azara, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Lex Slater, Marvelous, Mitzi, Moonflower Tea, Purple Mouse, Risa, and Target.